So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. I'm so excited about today's guest. We have a lot of people that are looking to start their investing career in expensive markets, or they can't find opportunities. And uh, we have absolute pro and professional at out-of-state investing, multifamily and single-family homes. So I'm not going to go too far into it. Let's bring them in. Antoine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your time and coming on here to share your wisdom, man. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. Yeah, so I kind of mentioned it at the first, and I think why don't we uh, bring people straight in? Why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you got started in investing, why you don't invest local per se, and then two, how you came about, like how did that all start and how did you come about that? I know that yeah. a lot of people that, that getting started in that first leap is hard, and then doing what you're doing seems even harder. So it, <laughs> let's just yep. jump straight into it. You know, tell tell us about how, how you got started and uh, give us a little little bit about your background so we have some context yeah, sure. for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I live in Los Angeles. I am 24 super years old. Super cheap houses there, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Super cheap. Super I think cheap. you can pick up them for like a couple thousand bucks a, a pop <laughs> over here. No, it's like the, the cheapest house in LA that, you know, is not in a rough area is going to be, you know, a million, million and a half bucks. And that's going to be for some 1200, 1500 square feet thing, you know? So yeah. my, I grew up in the Bay area. My parents, I'm actually came from Toronto. I was born in Toronto, grew up in the Bay area. My parents bought their house for 700 grand when we moved here. And they're like, this is stupid. What the hell are we doing? They sold it 15 years later for 2.2 million bucks for 1500 square feet. I mean, it makes no coming from the suburbs of Toronto where we lived in a duplex for 120 grand. I mean, it makes no sense at all. Right. So that's kind of part of my backstory. I started getting involved in real estate investing back in 2015, went to like a weekend kind of seminar about flipping houses, learned how people were flipping houses, how they were making money, how the numbers work. And I was like, you know, me my dad and my brother were like, wow, this is awesome. Like we can go and do this. Let's go try to do this in California. And uh, after about six months, we realized that we didn't have enough money. We didn't know enough people. And, you know, it was just way too risky for us to, to play that game. And we were competing against people who had a million bucks in the bank. All we had was 40 grand and didn't know anybody. And we're like, this is impossible. We're never going to, you know, we're placing, we're placing a lot of off offers. We were trying a lot of stuff. We were spending money on marketing and just nothing ever clicked. And yes. we were like, all right, it's time to pivot. And we kind of got to change our strategy. So from really 2015 to 2017, you know, my dad had a full-time job. My brother became a realtor, tried to sell houses in the Bay Area. And what I did was I just kept meeting and networking with a bunch of people trying to figure out how I can figure out a strategy that would work and make the most amount of sense for our budget, our time, and what we knew, which was literally nothing. Now, and, now give me a quick time frame here. This was how long ago and and uh, when did you start and how long were you kind of going through this educational time yeah. and, you know, trying to in this, you know, gray area of like, mm -hmm. man, what, how are we going to do this? And we it was know two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. It was two years straight of not doing anything, just networking, testing stuff, and nothing was, nothing was working. So like 
imagine we tried to flip houses in the in the bay area didn't work after a couple of months because all the deals we were just getting outbid on then we tried to do stuff kind of in central california so a little bit further away where the prices were a little bit cheaper still same issue would pace we'd place 10 20 30 offers and you know we would never win a deal because other people kept outbidding us and stuff like that so it was just then then we were like all right what about if we try wholesaling what about if we try going direct to the homeowners and then we started spending money on marketing all these kind of different strategies and at the end nothing really clicked and nothing ended up working out and through that we started networking with other people and i started networking when i moved here to la with people and i was like how the hell are you guys investing in real estate and over and over and over and over i kept hearing oh la like california this no it doesn't make any sense i'm investing out of state and that's kind of when the the light bulb clicked when I started to see the numbers that these guys were doing and the amount of capital it took to do one of these deals was like a, literally a 10th of what it cost to do a deal here in California in terms of the equity you needed. And I was like, all right, well, perfect. Now, you know, my 40 grand can go a, a long way and I can literally buy a house and renovate it for 40 grand. Whereas in California, I mean, I would be a, you know, a piece of a gap funder for a deal or flip here in LA. So that's kind of when the light bulb clicked. And that was in 2017 is when the light bulb clicked and I started looking at out-of-state properties. A few things here. I love this idea that it wasn't working. And I think a lot of people have a huge misconception that when you get started in investing and when you get start looking for your financial vehicle that's going to take you to freedom and that, uh, that path or that avenue that's going to you know get you there and everything, that the people that go down it, they either just know or they found out a secret or they, <laughs> you know what I mean, where that's not actually how it works. Most of the time, it's through massive trial and error, and it's fumbling around and finding out more of what doesn't work than actually what does. And this first deal now, now that it's been years, you're moving along here, you go, geez, I just can't get this to work. You didn't give up, though. You just said, okay, I now know all these avenues that that don't work. Now, when you said, I'm going to follow what somebody else is doing that's being successful, follow that model, walk us through that first deal and how, how you did it, the struggle, right? The, you know, all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's even a quote from, count, you know, going along that same line. I mean, there's a quote from Thomas Edison, which is, I think, he says, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that that won't work. Right. So it's the same thing as, as that. And we found literally 10,000 ways that don't work for us with our budget and stuff like that. So going along that line, how did I do my first deal? So it was now 2017. I knew this model from like networking every single day in LA on bigger pockets, meetups, et cetera, and started learning what, how people were investing out of state. Most importantly, how they were choosing their markets, how they were building their team. And then like what the numbers look like for those deals in those new markets. So first thing is finding a market. So essentially what I did is I collected a bunch of information about what these guys were looking for in the markets they were investing in. So rent growth, population growth, unemployment rates, major employers, diversity of workforce, all this good stuff about these markets that these people were investing in. And I started just, I literally just made a list of the top 100 cities in the U S and just had, you know, every column was a different piece of data. And it was either like a green light or a bad or a red light, depending on if that data was good or in favor of the market or not. 
and then at the end of the day, I, at the end of, well, it took me a couple of weeks to finish all the data for all the markets. But then at the top of that list was a couple of markets, Memphis, Cleveland, Birmingham, St. Louis. And I was still in university at this time. I was going to graduate. This was like around November, December, and I was graduating in May. So it was kind of my last year. And I was like, all right, I need to figure out this out of state real estate thing before I graduate or else I'm going to go and have to start applying for jobs, which is, I didn't want to do that. And so I figured out these couple of markets that made the most amount of sense. Then I started really looking at different neighborhoods within those markets where the numbers cash flow, where properties make the most amount of sense, where And where, what some... were these markets? Where were these first markets you were looking at? So it was really Memphis and it was Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, and Birmingham were the first four markets. And then I was like, okay, these, you know, check the most amount of boxes. Let me see if I can find, you know, some neighborhoods that make sense on paper. And then the next step was finding a team in those markets because investing out of state, that's the biggest thing is finding a team on the ground who's going to be able to manage the show for you and like building a system on the ground and a team on the ground to help make your, your uh, investments a success. So I spent the next couple of months really finding that team and trying to find that team and trying to figure out how to build that team on the ground. And how do you go um, about that? How do you go about finding, because this is a huge thing that people struggle with is, and I, and I talk about this a lot because it's so fundamental to any success I've ever had in my life, as well as others, that success does not happen on an island, right? And we are, like, I'm a huge believer that, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. And the, and the better that I've surrounded myself with successful people, the more success I've obviously had. Well, you're talking about, you don't live there. So you're trying to get a, a team and find successful people in an area that you don't live. So where, where'd you go? Like how, how did you yep. vet these people? Yep. Great question. So I was in my dorm room and I was like, all right, I'm going to, the team members that I think I know from meeting all these guys was property managers, realtors, and contractors. Right. And so contractors are kind of hard to find online. You know, some of the best contractors out there, my contractors don't have any online presence. So it kind of didn't make sense to start there. I was like, all right, but property management company and realtors, you can check the reviews. A lot of them have do have good online social presence. So I started there and literally it was trial and error over and over and over again. Every market, I probably called 200 agents and every single, and when I say every single property management company, I literally mean every single property management company called every single one of them. You call, you know, there's probably like 20 of them per market. Half of them don't even answer then the other half are going to say, no, we're not interested in, you're out of state or whatever the case may be, or just don't give you the time of day. And now you're left with five property management companies that are going to give you the time of day, want your business and are looking to scale and like kind of have the same mentality as you. And so kind of that's where I started with the property management company. Same thing with the realtors. So I would probably call 200 realtors. I would make as many phone calls as I could per day and just give them a pitch and Hey, I'm a, you know, I live in California. I'm looking to buy single family homes in your market and renovate them and rent them out and then resell them or, or hold them myself. Is there any neighborhoods you would recommend? I'd love to use you as a realtor and, and pay you a fee to manage the construction projects as well. And so just after a couple of months of cold calling every single day, it was just 200 phone calls in. It was just this conversation that I had with this property management company and they kind of were in Memphis, Tennessee, and they were essentially a hub for all the other people that I needed. So on that phone call, I cold called on a listing that I saw come up in a neighborhood that I 
had seen was like a good neighborhood to buy these single family homes through cash flow. I called on the listing. I'm like, Hey, uh, I'm interested in buying your home. I see, you know, the purchase price is 30 grand. I'm wondering, you know, how much renovation does the property need to get it rented out for, you know, 700 bucks a month. He's like, Oh, it needs this, this, and this. And it's probably going to cost you like four to five grand. I have a bid ready from my buddy. He's a contractor. I'm like, okay, great. What do you think it'll rent out after? What do you think the ARV is? And all his numbers kind of matched up with my numbers. And I was like, after 200 phone calls, this is like a holy shit moment. Like, Oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. He knows the numbers and he has property management and a contractor. It almost seemed too good to be true, but he really knew his stuff. And that's what made me feel confident and kind of take all that information, make a nice little package and then go to my dad and be like, all right, I've, I've called 200 people. I've talked to every single property management company I could. And here's a house in a neighborhood that I already thought was a good spot. His numbers matched up to mine. I think now is when we have to take our shot. And that's when we bought that first house was early 2017. I think it was uh, March. You know, this is something I think a lot of people overlook. And early on in when we were building our self-storage company, we were doing the same thing. We were networking and discussing with people about their philosophical views of the market, where they were going, what they were trying to accomplish. And we were looking for people that's outlook and everything lined up with ours that would make a good team. And it just didn't happen. And we're like, I'm meeting with a bunch of these people. And I'm like, I just don't agree with you. Um, I don't agree with what you're thinking, how you're going about it. And it was months and months. And then by accident, I went to lunch with a, a broker who our philosophical view of the industry, what I was trying to accomplish, everything lined up perfect. Um, we did, we've done now $15 million worth of deals with that guy. And he brought us direct off market, but it, we didn't have a hookup. We didn't have, I mean, it was the same thing. I was calling people. I was actually trying to get a hold of somebody else and by accident ran into him, went out to breakfast. And that work, you have to go through it. You have to pick up the phone phone and you have to go through just tons of people to find the right match and when you do though it seems like that's when the magic happens right yeah 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 and it's not it's it it is it feels like magic when you find that perfect connection too and what i recommend a lot of people and what the word i use for is like vibing well with somebody as it's a hard to describe feeling but you know like later on when i've expanded to other markets i've done the same thing cold called every single property management company set up a meeting for when i'm going to be there and i drive around hang out with them and their team for the entire day and then i come back home and i'm like okay who did i like the most who has the same vision of me as me who's trying to grow their business who has the same energy and drive and that's the company that i go with right and so it's a it's a hard to describe feeling but you'll you'll know the person when when you meet them and you when you hang out with them and spend the day with them or lunch with them and you'll know that that's the right person to continue doing business with. So now you found the people. What what about yep. the deal? Yeah, so luckily that person brought me the first deal and so that was fantastic. So the numbers on that deal was a single family home. Um we bought it for 30,000 bucks, spent like 10 grand on renovations and then it was worth like $55,000 after. 
And then that person, property management company, connected me with a local credit union who helped me do a cash out refinance. So it was essentially like the Burr process. Yep. Uh, yep. On that property, I was able to pull out all the money. Explain the Burr then, process to those that yeah, sure. may not be familiar with uh, Bigger Pockets and uh, Brandon yeah, yeah. Turner's acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> so the Burr process is when you go and buy a property, you renovate it, you rent it out. And then you refinance it and do a cash out refinance normally pull out all your cash. And it just allows you to keep turning, you know, your cash over and over and over and leave very little amount of money in the deal. So it's great for people with, you know, not the unlimited amount of capital. They're able to buy more and more properties than if they were buying turnkey, for example. So we did that, got my $40,000 back or pretty close to it. And then, you know, it turned to my dad again. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, I graduate in a couple months, but I'd like to keep doing this after I graduate. You know, can you just pay for my living expenses? Let me just try to figure this out. Give me six months or whatever. Let me try to figure this out. But we have a team, we have a model that works. Now we just need the money to be able to scale this thing to the moon. And so that's essentially what happened. I graduated in May and then kept on finding more and more properties, whether it was me going on the MLS every single morning, which is what I did me connecting with wholesalers or them bringing off market deals, or he owned a property management company. So sometimes their homeowners wanted to sell and they would let the property management company know. And then I would buy those deals as well. So graduated and then by graduated in May. And then in December, we had like 10 single family homes, eight, eight to 10 single family homes. All still through this original connection. There's an original yep. cold call connection. Yep. Once again, I know it can almost seem repetitive when we talk about <laughs> this and everything, but like the team that you put into place, uh, most people that I found when you're not executing on something in a way that it should be executed, most of the time as enough, it's not you, it's not most of the time in the system, it's, it's there's a part of your team that's not in place. And you need to reevaluate the functions of the activities that are trying to get you to your goal and who's in place to do those functions. And a lot of times we have, uh, I, I see a big problem in people is that pride takes over and they want to be in control. They want to be doing it. They want to know or they know better. And that cripples them from progressing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a big factor too because I, you know, I with my business now, I meet a lot of new investors who are looking to get into the game. And, you know, a lot of them are like, Oh, but I want to be involved. I want to be at the job site. I want to blah, blah. I'm like, why do you want to do this? And it's some of them, it's, they want to learn or they want to learn about the construction side. And for me, I took it as that's their expertise, the contractor or the property manager. And now we've, we've hired project managers to even manage all of our construction projects going on. And it's like, that's his expertise. My expertise is raising money, finding new people to buy and, you know, growing the business and trying to scale the thing up as much as I can. That's what my main focus is. And now if you try to do everything and you, you want to review all the tenants applications and all that kind of stuff, leave that to the people who are, have done it for the last 30 years. There's no way you're going to add any value to them vetting tenants or managing the construction or, you know, I leave a lot of, a lot of the decision-making for any construction project we do is up to that project manager or the contractor. Um, Cause I, I've realized that I don't know anything about it and leave it to the experts. You and know? you can't do everything. You, I yep. mean, you can't when you're, you know, when you're trying to build something, 
Um, most of the times, anything that's built that's built of any value or worth or any, it, it it's always shocking how much we underestimate how much it takes to get this stuff done. How many people are need to be involved? How much time, right? You just can't do it all. So don't ever think that you can. And two, I think it makes people feel overwhelmed and then they don't ever even try because they're like, whoa, I can't, I can't do that. Well, don't worry about it. You don't need to do it. Like there's tons of people out there that are willing to help and tons of ways to get started. I mean, look at you, you're in LA, you've got teams across the country and markets uh-huh. that, you know, I don't know, have you ever even been to these markets before you started <laughs> investing in them? We, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just that you can accomplish so much. So, okay, anyway, so you're at now 10. 10 single-family homes with your same team. Um, did you stay in single-family, or is, is this when you made your your, your move to multifamily? T- talk to me about this process now of moving up, let's say, an a- right? You're moving up an asset class. Did, how long did that process take, and why did you do that? Yeah, so a couple of things. So... Once we had 10 properties, um, people started reaching out to what now the word was getting out to just friends and family that we were investing out of state as it does. And because uh, Antoine graduated, what's Antoine doing after he graduated? Oh, he's actually doing this. And people are like, what the hell? He's buying houses in Memphis. What the hell is that? What does that even mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then so people started reaching out to us after they saw some success and they were like, okay, how do we get involved with this out of state thing? And so instead of doing the normal burr where we would refinance it, pull our money out, we instead started selling them to friends and family. And so that's kind of what started the turnkey business. And now yep. we're like, oh, wow, this is a whole new model we didn't even think about. It's all right, let's buy the property, renovate it, rent it out, put a property manager in place, and then sell it as a package. So that's what ended up starting that, that turnkey business, which pretty much just generated cash flow. Yes. Once that business got going, which, you know, it went from one house a month to two houses a month to three houses a month, slowly started scaling that up. Um, we started taking our personal money and then investing it in apartment buildings in those same neighborhoods and cities that we were doing the, had the turnkey business. Cause we already had the team on the ground. We already knew the market. We had been there a couple of times. And so now we were like, all right, now we have the capital in order to go and buy these apartment buildings, which, you know, we didn't have before that. It was essentially just a capital issue of why we couldn't buy the apartment buildings in the past. And so what? why did you move instead of having 100 single-family homes, which, you know, because yep. this is always interesting to me. I mean, I know why I moved through asset classes, things like that, but I'm interested in why you've got a machine that produces a product that you know. Why take the leap into something that you're not doing? Why? why I mean, you could just accrue all of these, and you have the teams in place, they could just keep going. Why take that leap? Why, why move in? Why, why move up? Great question. So the, the real reason why is because the financing started to get tricky with uh, Freddie Mac for the single family home space, because you can only have 10 single family homes under your personal name. We could have scaled up with a credit union. They started to slow down on the amount of single family residential mortgages that they were giving per person. So it was really a financing issue. And once we had 10, then like getting to 11 properties finance became very difficult and very expensive. But why now for those that don't know, explain why that doesn't matter in apartment building. So because that doesn't make sense to a lot of people because you can't have 10 homes. I'll just buy an apartment building (laughs) instead. You're like, what? So explain that. So for residential single family homes, which is anything from one to four units, 
Freddie Mac has a conventional loan program, which loans to that space, but they only allow 10 loans per person. Once you are in the commercial space, which is anything from five to 5 million units, anything over five units, then Fannie Mae doesn't lend in that space. There's other agency debt like Freddie Mac that will lend in that space, other Fannie Mae agency debt. But there's also a bunch of new lenders that are then created, which we started using, which are like asset-based lenders or just multifamily financing, which is much different than what you can get on the residential space. The financing is much at a lower interest rate. It's more favorable for us. And then sometimes they'll even fund the renovations and stuff like that, which was hard for us to get on the single family residential space. So for example, for Fannie Mae single family homes, we were paying like five and a half percent interest, 5% interest. We can go then and buy an apartment building and we can buy unlimited amounts of apartment buildings through Freddie Mac and get a 4% interest rate. So you get a better interest rate. It's non-recourse now and you can buy a million of them. What are the downsides to that financing? What is the constraints now that they are saying, okay, you can buy as much as you want, but what constraints are they putting? What are they looking for now? Yeah, so that's a good question too, because what people don't realize when they do get into the multifamily space is it takes a lot more capital to get into those apartment buildings, even if it's just a small building, like an 11 unit apartment building that needs some renovations, it's still way more capital than to get into a single family home. So, um, you know, you can go and buy, like I said, a single family home for 40,000 bucks, 50,000 bucks and do a burst strategy on it, pull the cash out. But for us, for example, one of the apartment buildings we bought, we put $150,000 down and $150,000 in renovation. So it's a lot more capital that is required to buy one of these apartment buildings and to move up an asset class, like you said. In terms of the financing, the constraints on the financing is they ask for different stuff than they do for Fannie Mae. So they don't care now about really your W-2 income or anything like that, anything about you personally. It's more about the property. Does the property create cash flow? And then do you have the net worth? Your net worth has to be over that loan amount. So there's those constraints and then an experience constraint as well. They want to make, they do a lot of research, not about how much money you make personally from your, more about you as an investor, your experience, your background, your team on the ground. So those are the constraints. We haven't hit any constraints yet with the Freddie Mac financing. Again, we only have 71 units, so we don't have much, but. Um, now, but I think a lot of people listening to that immediately go, well, I don't have those things. So how'd yeah. you do it then? And so we. <laughs> because you didn't have experience in multifamily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, the first two apartment buildings that we bought were through an asset-based lender and it wasn't through Freddie Mac. So just once you get into the commercial space, there's a bunch of new lending options that open up that aren't really there for the single family home side. So what we did for our first couple of buildings was we went to an asset-based lender. That's a recourse loan. You pay 5%, 6% interest, uh, the loan just on the asset. So out of me and my experience, they don't, they could care less. So that's how we did the first two buildings. And then after that, once we had more cash, we had the experience on paper then we went to Freddie Mac and then gave them the whole portfolio. So, hey, we've done 100 single family homes. We've done two apartment buildings with this team. And now we're buying the building next door, for example. We're using the same team and we have all this experience, et cetera. And we have the cash in the bank. And so that's how we were able to get 
and bring that interest rate down from 6%. Your story is a perfect example of, I think, two things that people need to understand. First of all, velocity of money, cash flow, and how that works. And you don't just get to a point where all of a sudden one day you're like, yeah, I'm going to go out and buy huge apartment buildings, right? There is a process. It's a growth. And I like to tell people, if you're looking at like a chart and you have an X and a Y axis, right? You need to grow horizontally as far as units go, but you also need to scale up vertically, right? So like, yeah, you need to have multiple properties to create a portfolio, but you also need to scale vertically and size of it is done. But the bigger you get is farther down the axis and it creates that upward trend. And yours is a perfect example. $40,000, can't buy anything in a market that nothing's available. You have no options, no experience. You're sitting in a dorm room to however many years later, now banks are giving you loans and you're showing them how, you know, you're the macaroni with the cheese and they need to give you all this money for this apartment yeah. building. It, it's, yep. it's a natural progression. It's not that yep. it's something that is, you know, you went out and you created that for yourself. You create the experience. You don't have money. You find people that do right? You don't have experience. You partner with people that do. And I, I just love that progression in your story here because it lays it out perfectly. And I also love the idea that you had this problem where all of a sudden you have a model, okay? So you have a model that's going. You want to get into investing in bigger asset classes. You need more capital. So what do you do? You take your strengths. You add a side business. You start a turnkey model. And then that allows you to create more capital. We've done the exact same things. When when we had a problem where we're like, oh, I want to get into this deal or do this property, we don't have the capital or the cash flow or whatever it may be. We're like, okay, well, that's fine. Let's start the side business. And so I'd go start a side business. That would create the capital means, and then we would continue doing that. Um, it's this problem-solving ability that is not terribly complicated, but it really is this idea that you got to keep going. And there's always options. I mean, always options for people. And I hear this constantly. It's we're at the top of a market. Everything's too expensive in my neighborhood. <laughs> Nothing works. I have no money and banks won't lend to me. It's just, and it's like, that's the same story. And that's how it'll always be. The banks are never going to give you money that you don't deserve yet. You have to work towards it and you have to show the progression. The banks want to see a guy like you that says, I've gone through it. I know, right? Because the bank doesn't. The bank's not investing in apartment buildings, so they're like, I, I can't tell you how to do it. So yep. if you don't know, and if you haven't gone through the crap and gone through the stuff that I've never gone through and I'm not going to go through, I can't trust you with my money, right? Yep. So you got to earn that from society, from investors, from in banks. You have to earn it before they love it. So anyways, I know that's a total side thing. I just, this is a perfect example of that process of earning it. And earning the reputation, earning the skills, creating the partnerships, creating the deals, and making it where it doesn't exist. So, okay, you got a couple apartment buildings. Um, now, is that current today, or, is, or are you still built up? Where are you at right now? So, right now, we have the turnkey business still going, 10 houses a month. And then we have apartment buildings. We have 71 apartment building units um, that we bought starting last January. So 20, January, 2019. And so we bought 71 units or so last year, uh, a couple dozen more, but, 
Yeah, and that's that's what we're going to keep going along this year is just last year we bought 71 units. I think this year we'll probably buy like 50 units of apartments and maybe just buy a little bit bigger of a building instead of buying, you know, five smaller buildings. So kind of like you said, kind of just buy one larger asset kind of thing um, just helps with getting the better loan from Freddie Mac, et cetera. And so we'll do that and then we'll continue doing the house flipping uh, through the turnkey business as well to keep generating that capital and cash to be able to use that to create those, those side. And so I, you know, I, I just, your, your story's great. I appreciate so much. You walking through the minutia and how you got started and how your college, you know, options, everything. It, walk through people listening to this right now that are like, I don't know my Avenue. Right. And I, I speak of this from experience when saying, I don't know where to go. Right. You start the journey not understanding how you're ever going to get to this destination that you want to get. And you can't see it. You can't see the path. Explain what your mindset was and how you're going along this journey. Because you have this idea. You know where you want to get. You want to be an investor. Things like that. You have no idea how. You're trying to do it in L.A. It's not working. What's the greatest things that helped you, first of all, get there? And what should people getting started on their journey or even people trying to take it to the next level but don't see it? Because that's a whole nother thing too, right, that you you faced. You got this thing. You want to do something else. You're already good at what you do. You could have just said, no, we're just going to keep doing this, right? So explain that process and how people can replicate. Yeah, yeah that's interesting you say that because now looking back at it, you know, like I didn't really have like a long-term goal in mind. I mean, maybe it was like owning, you know, 10,000 units or whatever. This was kind of my... My thing, maybe looking up and I go, oh, I didn't even think that was possible. But now that he's on Instagram, I see that it is possible kind of thing. And so maybe that was my very long goal. But again, I had no damn clue how buying a $30,000 house in Memphis, Tennessee was going to lead me into owning 10,000 units, right? I think the goal for me was just what's my immediate need is paying for the bills. So in real estate to help and for a lot of people, listening, maybe they already have a bills. They just want to pay for X, Y, and Z thing and create cash flow to do that. So just paying for my immediate bills, my living expenses so that I could pay my dad back so that it didn't have to come out of his pocket. So that's what my goal was. And I just was like, I want that payment to be coming through real estate. I just need to get my feet in the water and start doing something out of state. I need to try this out. And I didn't really know again, where that was going to lead towards um, I knew along the way I wanted one of those goals was to be to retire my parents. I thought that would be through growing a single family home portfolio. It actually ended up happening once we started buying the apartment buildings that that was achievable. So did you do that? Yeah, we. I just did that. My mom just quit her job last January 2020. And my dad quit his job last summer. So yep, both of them now are working in the, in the business. You're now the favorite child. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My brother. <laughs> but it's, um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's I'm totally kidding. Your parents love everyone equally. It's a <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of perfect timing that I, that I went to that seminar during college and it was kind of perfect timing that I found these guys right before I graduated. And it was kind of perfect timing that my dad had 40 grand, which was just as much as we needed. And now when I go and network, now, when I go and meet new people, I am a real estate investor. I do have a team in Memphis. I do have a portfolio in Memphis. It can be as small as one single family home. It doesn't matter. Now it's getting my foot into many other doors that I wasn't able to get into before because I am a real estate investor. And I think that 
that's kind of when that trajectory starts is once you actually, because there's a lot of talkers out there, right? So people that talk about real estate or just like watch podcasts on repeat over and over and they've never invested. Soon as somebody's put their money in the game, now their respect level goes up and I'm going to spend my time and take my time to educate that person to help them to take them to the next level. And uh, I think that just not, not a lot of, not enough people are taking their knowledge and just applying it and trying something out. A lot of people are just want to find the perfect thing that's going to perfectly align them to the perfect end goal. And I think that's going to ever happen. I love that. First of all, they're looking for the perfect situation to the perfect end goal, which doesn't exist. It never will get, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, where you just took what you had at the time and you found opportunities, or not found, you created opportunities by going out and networking, going out and looking. And two, you created opportunities through trial and error of not getting any um, because what you had created no opportunities to you for where you were at in life. That is so fundamentally important because I don't care who you are you understand that. You feel that. Where you go, it's not like I don't have anything. I have a, you know, maybe a roof over my head, right? But I don't have opportunities based upon what I have. And that's a fallacy. That's not true. It doesn't exist. Um, you may not be looking in the right places or doing the right things to create opportunities that align with your current position, but there are. And you had to look way outside what where you were and what you were doing to get to create those opportunities. I love that. So before we let you go, I want you to tell people here, where can they go to find you, learn yeah. uh, more about what you're doing? Because I think sure. it's awesome. And Thank I you. think you have just a great story that you can teach so many people about. Where can they go to find out more about you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I post a lot on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, it's, uh, again, just educational content every single day. You can find me there at Martel Antoine. I have a book on Amazon as well, kind of explaining how I did what I did, how I found my teams out of state, how I funded that business and really like growing a rental property portfolio out of state. You can, again, just search my name on Amazon and that'll pop up. Perfect. Go on there, jump on there follow them. It's great stuff. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on and um, absolutely and sharing your story. It's very unique in the process that you had to take. And it, I think it's inspiring and it, it'll help others get moving, which that's Thank you. Thanks about. for having me. So, absolutely. And hopefully we will have you on to hear more about big deals that you're doing and hear about your, your, your next level that you're hitting. Love to. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much. Thank you.